Welcome to the For Your Thoughts podcast, where psychology, pop culture, and self meet. It's me, Penny, and I am recording from my room in Houston. It's kind of crazy. Um, I'm going to be here for a month, and I'm super duper excited just to be with my family and my friends and stuff, and just to be in Houston for a little bit. So, yeah, um, happy late Thanksgiving. My Thanksgiving was amazing. And first of all, wait, first let me say I'm thankful as all hell for all of y'all, for real. Super duper thankful for all of y'all for this year and for showing up as I'm showing up with this podcast and for real, like, listen and stuff. It blows my mind every single time I check the stats. So thank you so much. And I'm thankful for you guys, thankful for y'all's vulnerability and thankful for y'all, like, taking the time to want to be more emotionally intelligent and like want to learn more about yourself and want to get better like pat yourself on the back i love y'all thank y'all so much and yes happy late thanksgiving or belated i don't know hell i don't know but um i had a really good thanksgiving it was really different this year because of covid so we couldn't really do our normal thing which is we go to my cousin's house she's like our our oldest first generation cousin so she was like the first to get married and the first of like a lot so she kind of took over the whole like christmas and thanksgiving thing because she's you know married to an american it's kind of like a a mixed thing of like she can actually cook thanksgiving food because most of our like parents never learned how to do that until now so yeah we normally go there for the holidays and like all the aunts uncles cousins everyone but this year we couldn't do that because of covid so everyone was in their own home and with that being said, um, me and my brother's girlfriend um, decided to do our own Thanksgiving here. My mom was like about to make regular food. And we're like, nah, we're about to whip it up and do Thanksgiving food. So we literally did stuffing, potato salad, mac and cheese, sweet potato pie, and what else? Turkey, the fried turkey, everything. So I was in charge of the stuffing and the, and the potato salad. And I did that. I swear to God, someone said that they had gone to three houses that day and mine was the best. So what's up? What's up? No, I'm just kidding. But no, it was so much fun. And I really want to keep doing that every year. Like I'm down to just have a small Thanksgiving here with my family and then go link up with, you know, my cousins and stuff next year. So um, after our amazing Thanksgiving, um, we did this like I guess Thanksgiving weekend with all of my cousins like we all got tested and we got a Airbnb in downtown and we cooked clean not clean I cooked and cleaned we cooked played taboo um karaoke had a onesie party onesie night if you follow me on Instagram you saw that it was so cute I miss my cousins so much and it's just so amazing like to link back up and like talk and see where everybody's heads at what everyone's up to get advice from people give advice it's just truly joyous and I'm just so happy that I have a big and amazing family who cares so much about each other no matter what even if we fight or whatever the case may be we care so much about each other and I'm so so thankful for that so yeah those are my like updates um I have some other cool stuff going on but for the majority I really don't want to say that much because this episode is going to be really, really long because we have a special guest. And our special guest is Jayla Mina. Jayla, model, entrepreneur, reality star from Bad Girls Club. One of my friends. She's great. So we have Jayla here. Um, 
on this episode and we talked for such a long time and I don't want my episodes to be so long anymore. So I'm going to have my little updates be real short. So moving on, we're gonna move on to our next topic, which will be change. But yeah, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Happy holidays. And it's about time to start playing all the Christmas records. My favorite is Justin Bieber and of course, Mariah Carey and Chris Brown. And I love Ashanti's. Don't sleep on Ashanti's Christmas album. But all right, we're gonna move on to our next segment, Change. Actually, I'm back. We're not going to move on to Change. We will do that next week. We're gonna just hop right into the interview with Jayla. Before I do that, I do wanna leave y'all with one of my favorite lyrics from Love Yours by J. Cole. And I think it's just great for the holiday season. And um, I just always just think this in my head all the time and especially now. And it's no such thing as a life that's better than yours. No such thing as a life that's better than yours. No such thing. No such thing. That's Love Yours, J. Cole. I'm going to leave y'all with that and we're going to get into this interview. And I love you guys. Don't forget to email me y'all's pen pal letters for next week. Penny period and assy at gmail.com or DM me and we're going to get into it. But right now, we're about to get into this interview, and I hope you guys like it. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, guys. Welcome to the For Your Thoughts podcast, where psychology, pop culture, and self meet. Um, I'm here with somebody who I've been connected with since, like, 2014 or 15, right? I want to say. A long time. A long time. Yeah. Probably like, longer than that. Yeah, like a long, long time. <laughs> and I'm so glad, like, we're still connected. And I've always thought that you were just, like, super authentic and true to yourself and I stand that like no matter who somebody is I just love when they are themselves and don't give a fuck who thinks like who cares about that um so like welcome to the for your thoughts podcast or should we say the Jayla show because <laughs> it's a Jayla show yes and um welcome Jayla owner of normal culture youtuber model bad bitch I don't know what what else you do but like entrepreneur and everything like that um, I feel like it's a great time for us to be talking to you because of the launch of everything that you're like working on and stuff like that also. So I'm excited to have you. Is there anything else I missed with your intro? I'm just like an all around, just like superwoman. So I think you did good. <laughs> okay, exactly. And I feel like it's interesting because like we've done interviews before, like on like another radio show, but we've always wanted to like chat one-on-one. And like I said before, like I always just found you super duper authentic and like you just think with your heart and are super passionate. And I love that about people. And I feel like you're the perfect example of like how like a public perception or people, you know, who are super judgy or, you know, just take what they see on TV or the internet and run with it. Like they'll miss like a beautiful person or a beautiful side to a person. I feel like you're always the perfect example of that. So we don't get into it. Um, how have you been like during the pandemic and stuff like that? Um, honestly, I've been really good. Me too. And I'm actually, you know what? I can't even say that I've been really good. I've been great. I've been really yeah. great. Yeah. And I can honestly say that, like, I was telling, like, actually a few people, I've just been giving my testimony, like, just letting everybody know that 2020 is exactly what we asked for in so many different ways. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like and the, the reason why I say that is because a lot of people unknowingly always would say, like, man damn, I wish I didn't have to go to work today. I wish I could just do whatever I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Think mm-hmm. about how many people you know that either said that or felt like that. No, and everyone then, felt I'm, like that. Like everyone, right. Yeah. 
And so like with that being said, I just feel like we got exactly what we wanted. It may not have come the way that we thought it was going to come to us, but we got what we wanted. And it was all about this year to me has been all about like following your dreams and doing what exactly you wanted to do with the leisure time that we've been begging for. Mm -hmm. And so like, like for me, so, you know, everybody like pretty much like stopped working like in March or pretty much had to stay home in March. And I was living in New York at the time. And so and I was working there as well. So I had to stop working my my job then. And around the time, like, you know, I had still been working on my clothing line, normal culture or whatever, but I hadn't launched. And so I was like, you know, this is a good time for me to get back into it, you know why not? You know, I'm not doing anything else with my time. Let me work on normal culture. So long story short, over the course of this year, I've been able to literally launch my clothing line, get an office in LA for my business. I'm working on my second collection now. I'm in the process of moving to LA full time. So, you know, like, and I haven't technically had a job in the process of any of this throughout the course of the year, but I wake up every single day and I'm able to do everything that I want to do with my day. I wake up and decide how my day is going to go. And so for that, I'm thankful for 2020 because it's really been able to, this year has really been a year for me to put a lot of things into perspective, just all across the board. And I feel like I needed that. And I also feel like it's just been a blessing. Like this year has just been such a blessing. Like, really I really can't say anything bad about 2020, except for the fact that it taught, well, no, nothing bad. It definitely taught me how to manage my time. Exactly. And I think, I yeah, that. I feel that way too. It's like, even people who do have a job is kind of like, if that wasn't the job for them, they are taking that time. I, I hope so. Like taking that time to figure out, okay, like, what do I really want to do? Like, who do I really want to be? You have so much leisure time and so much space. And for me, like I graduated from grad school, like right before the pandemic hit. So I was like, in, like in the midst of like hella interviews and stuff like that. And they all took a pause, but I felt like it was for the better because like, I wasn't even going in the direction. I feel like God like planned for me to go in, you know, I was just like going with emotions a little bit and just kind of like going with what looks good and what, you know, like what made sense for school and for money and whatnot. But I feel like now I took, I had that time to really think about, okay, like, what do I want to do? What do I like? What's my purpose to give to the world? I, I knew what it was, but I wasn't really tapping as much into it as I know that I should to make myself happy. And you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I have that space to, to definitely think about that. So I feel the exact same way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a blessing. What, what made you move to LA? Um, well, because I've always wanted to live in LA. We, when I did Bad Girls Club in 2015, mm-hmm. we filmed in LA. And like right before I filmed for Bad Girls Club, I just had like this epiphany about living in LA and this just being like the place for me. And like, I would always say, I felt like a, a part of my soul was here waiting for me to come and pick it up so that I could continue with like my journey in life and like my higher purpose. I used to always say used to love LA. And like family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even I felt like that before I came here. So I felt like I had to come here to like get the other piece of me, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So with that being said, I've always been drawn here. And then like I started working on my business here two years ago. And so, or like a year and a half ago. Oh well, yeah. Two years ago. I started working on my business originally here in LA. And then like, I just started like building my network here and I'm actually in LA right now. So it's just like, this is where I do everything. Yeah. And I just feel like I wake up happy here. The energy. A lot of people here. say that when they move from like New York to LA, especially it's like a different vibe. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, way different. There are a lot of buildings here, just like New York, and it's a very congested city. Not as congested as New York because there's a little bit more room. Things are a little bit more spread out here, but you know the energy is different. Like when you wake up in the morning, the sun is already up, or you know the sun is coming up, and you see the mountains and the colors. You know, in the morning are so pretty. Sometimes you get orange and blues mm-hmm. and you know, different th- pinks and, you know, purples and different things like that. And it's just really beautiful. Yeah. Like that sunlight makes you feel like, okay, let me get up and mm-hmm. go get it. Right. For sure. Like, okay. So you've lived in Atlanta, Houston, New York, and LA. Like, what would you say is the difference between all of them? Like, what does each place, what did each place give you personally? Okay. Okay. So I'll start with Atlanta because I'm from mm-hmm. there. Atlanta is always going to be home to me. When I think of the the true South, when I think of the the dictionary version or the Webster's you know version of the South, I think of like Atlanta and Alabama. Um, and I feel like a lot of that is in me. So to to me, that's what Atlanta will always represent. Everything that the South embodies, and just Southern home values and fun and things like that. And just everything about like black pride. Mm-hmm. That's what this, that's what Atlanta gave like me. Like that black excellence type stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is exactly what it is. So that's what Atlanta means to me. And then as far as Houston, Houston, I feel like just put a little stank on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all of it's that. all of that, but exaggerated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like and I love I love everything about Houston because I was in high school when I moved there and I went to college there and that's where I spent a lot of my adult life. And so to me, Houston is like my second home. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like I said, like Houston is the place where, you know, I just kind of put a little stank on Yeah, like you got that, you just know, like, like that little, uh. <laughs> yeah, everything is, everything is bigger in Texas. Literally, the food is really good there. You know, I get my nails done real good there. Hair be laid. Yes, fried out, like, really. Fried Everything Seriously, just looks you know, good everything. there, feels good there. That is so true. It has a little extra oomph to it. Right. And then like, so, and then, so let's just say with New York, I like New York. Well, I have a love-hate relationship with New York. Um, We all do. Oh my gosh. Right. But I can say I love it. The things that I love about New York is New York is really um, a hustler city. Every city that I've lived in, you have to be a hustler to live there. But New York is a different beast. And the reason why I say that is because you literally can be one paycheck away from being homeless. (laughs) And I don't care. And I say that. I No, say that's that so like, true. And I don't care. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how well or how nice you live. New York is not the place where you go to play around. Not at it all. Like you, you can't to, play around. Like you can't you will be homeless. You if can't. You, do. you will be homeless. New York teaches you how to manage your time effectively and how to make the right connections with the right people, get in with the right circle or whatever it is that you want to do. You better figure it out quick because in New York, you do not have time to waste. When you wake up in the morning, first of all, the commute to wherever it is that you have to go, it doesn't matter if you live in the city. It doesn't matter if you live in one of the five boroughs. Like The commute is still time consuming and it's still lengthy. So when you leave the house in the morning, you have to be ready for your whole entire day. You got to exactly. have it in your backpack or in your purse with you. So that's number one. 
it teaches you how to be organized and it teaches you how to manage that time effectively because if your ass forgets something you because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you can't go back unless you're about to go back and you, you can't miss go back work. that is so true and you cannot go back unless you're staying home for the day or you're gonna find something in your little area to do that really don't even matter for real <laughs> no for real that is so true and then it's like i feel like it taught me one especially how to manage my money and also how to be okay with yes. being alone I feel like you're yes. more alone in New York than any other place. Just anywhere else. Even yes. if you go to meet your you go, go to meet up with your friends or whatever the case may be, for some reason you always end up by yourself more than anything. Which I think is a good right. thing. It taught me like it I is. like to think a lot for myself and really like figure out who I am. That's what happened for me yeah. in New York for sure. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can definitely I can definitely say those same things too because I grew up with a lot of siblings and a lot of cousins just a big family a lot of friends like close friends and stuff always being around me so over the years I think I kind of developed you know a a certain level of codependency yes because I always grew up with people around like my family Mm -hmm. and so me moving to other cities by myself or living alone has taught me to like just be okay with being alone Mm -hmm. be okay with getting up and starting your day by yourself get be okay with you know not having to have somebody there with you to hold your hand or even keep you company while you get things done Mm -hmm. and so New York taught me that New York taught me how to be a hustler New York taught me how to manage my time effectively and New York just really taught me I feel like hard life lessons that I had to learn just about the world and about about people oh my god yes about people there's so many different people coming from all over think totally different than you like you it like you think that everybody thinks the same and everyone moves moves the same we are all like vibrating and like on a whole nother frequency and like in our own realities, like, you know what I'm saying? It really does teach you that. It really did. Right. Mm -hmm. And then everyone, everyone has their own agenda. Yes. That's with me. So like, I feel like I don't really like my agenda is like what you see. I've all, and I've always been like a genuine person. And so I had to really learn that everybody is not like that. Like people really are talking to you for certain reasons, trying to fill you out. Like they're not, you know, it's people really do strategize when they, when it comes to like linking up or networking, stuff like that. And I've always been like a natural networker, which I feel like has got me further than the people who forced the stuff. But I had to learn yes, that same. people move so different and you got to like keep your eye out yeah. for that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then, so the last thing, so with LA, mm-hmm. I feel like being in LA really gave me the courage to follow my dreams wholeheartedly. Um, LA is the place where I feel the most free. And LA is the place where I feel like has the most opportunities for me organically. I love that. Um, I feel like every other city that I've lived in brought me here full circle. Um, every part of my being, every part of my personality, everything that I've learned over the years of living in other places, mm-hmm. I feel like has, you know, gotten me to this point today to where um, all all of that information is being utilized now. Every life lesson that I've learned, you know, every tool that I've picked up, every skill that I've acquired, I, I utilize this stuff here in LA. And then I feel like, you know, being in New York and being alone, truly being alone and not having anyone there, you know, gives me the courage to know that if I can, if I can make it in New York, I can really make it. For in LA. sure. 
And I think that that was what I needed because I've dibbled and dabbled in LA. I'll come here and I'll stay, you know, for like a month with like my home girl or, you know, like I'll come here and I'll work and I'll leave and I'll come back. And because this is a place where I know that I've always wanted to be. So I've always been a little bit afraid to come yeah. here and, and fail. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just be real with you. Let me just have a, this is my truth moment. Yes, we, I've mm-hmm. always been afraid to come to LA and fail. So I've come over the last five years here and there, here and there, here and there, you know, getting a taste of it saying, okay, I can do it, but I ain't ready yet. Okay. I can do it. I ain't ready yet. And I feel like me moving to New York and literally having to start over from the ground up and being able to make it and thrive and really doing good for myself in New York and not having to worry about living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, you know, living with other people or having to rent a room or, you know, anything crazy like that. And just, you know, I was blessed when I moved to New York to live with my family, get on my feet and then move into my own place. And it'd be nice. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so like, Going through that whole experience and knowing that I can make it in New York of all places, like the place that I feel like everybody is like scared to, to kind of like take that journey or even LA people are scared to take that journey. And so it's just kind of like. That's so true. Um, you good? Yeah. Okay. And so, so it's just like when, when something like that happens, it's just like, okay, boom, I can do you it. Can definitely, so now mm-hmm. Right. And so now it's just like I wake up here. The sun is the sun is shining. The weather is good. I can wake up and literally decide how I want my day to go. Like and I feel like 2020 brought that full circle as well, because now I'm living in L.A. in L.A. And I don't have to worry about working for somebody else and then still trying to figure out how I'm going to make my. Yes. Like that's what 2020 did for you. That's that's good. That's what it did for Mm -hmm. me. And so now I can live in the place that I really want to live in, how I want to live and do exactly what it is that I want to do and not have to worry about my finances and not have to worry about how I'm going to make it while I'm trying to make it. Yes. And for all the listeners out there, a lot of people ask me about moving period, moving to New York, moving wherever. And I'm like, just do it. Like you gain so much character. You learn so much about yourself. You might fail, cool, whatever, but you're going to learn something like while you're failing and you'll ultimately end up happier than you were if you would have just stayed in your hometown and been scared and not done shit, you know? So I always tell people right. like moving or doing whatever you want to do is like the best thing for your life ultimately. Cause you only have one life. Like this is not a practice round. This all you got. So do whatever you need to do to like live that best life. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so um, you said that you were afraid to fail. And I feel like I feel that way about kind of like New York and LA. Cause it's like, especially coming from the South, everyone expects you right. to be this like superstar celebrity, <laughs> you know, like be, have, be, the savior. be parties and shit. <laughs> I don't know. Like they expect you yeah, the savior, even, even that, like being like the provider, all that kind of stuff. Um, especially you who actually had like, a level of fame, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure they expect hella from you. So what made you like, what, how would you like describe your fear? And like, why do you think you have that? And like, how do you actively every day, like knock that out of your brain to try to overcome it? Um, well, I think it was a process for me over the years of coming to terms with being okay with just being human and knowing that we all have our own journey through life and our own process. Like my chapter 10 may not be your chapter 10. My chapter 10 may only be your chapter two. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you have to get okay and to, and get to a place in your life where you know that 
everyone, everyone's journey through life is different. And God blesses us at different times based on what we've been through. And, you know, I'm a, I, I believe in past lives and, you know, I don't know what you went through in your past life. I don't know what karmic debt you have. And I don't, and shit, you don't know what karmic debt I have. And I don't know who was praying for you. And you don't know who was praying for me. And mm-hmm. you don't know who sacrificed what for you to be able to have the oh, blessings that's so true. for you to have them. Mm-hmm. And that's how I look at life. And so when people get certain blessings before me, or when certain things happen in others people in other people's lives faster for another person, I don't know how disciplined you are. Yeah. I don't know your day to day. I only know a part of it. I only know what you show me or what you decide to reveal. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I cannot play measure it with my life and your life and wonder why we're progressing at different levels. Mm-hmm. And you have to be okay to, you have to be okay with failing or you have to be okay with, you know, being okay with your process. And when I got to the point where, okay, I'm truly okay with my process and not being on the same level as everybody else, as fast as everybody else, then that's when God can, can truly and genuinely bless me for real. Yeah. Like ultimately, because then I'm not living in a place of scarcity and trying exactly. Right. I'm not living in these places of low vibration. Like I'm not living, like you said, in, in scarcity. I'm not living in fear. I'm not living in lack. I'm not living in, I'm not living in, um, I'm not living in, what was the word? Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh, you, you said I'm like, not you're li- not living in scarcity. You're not living in life. Right, like, yeah. You're just going with like what Basically, God has Basically, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm living, now I'm living in a place of gratitude and I'm present every single exactly. day. You know when, and that is a big thing. You have to be present. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm actually present every single day and I'm living in a place of gratitude, I'm no longer afraid of failing because you know, I'm in alignment with God and I know that he is my provider and I know that he's the one that's blessing me ultimately on the level that he wants to bless me when he wants it to happen, not when exactly. I want it to happen. So I'm okay. And I've been thinking about like, also how you're saying, like, you don't know what sacrifices were ha- like, you know, what happened in your past life, what your ancestors did, who's praying for you. And I've been starting to look at life as if I'm someone's ancestor because I am. And it's like the things that I'm going through aren't just for me. They are for the future that, you know, they are for like generations to come as well. So if you start to think about life like that, like I I started to move totally different when I started to think about life like that, because like I said, we only have one and I want to make sure that I did what I had to do for the, for the future of, you know, my line and stuff like that. So it's, mm -hmm. and you know, what's crazy. So I, when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. You know, like they always said that, you know, okay, I'm going to tell you exactly where I got it from. You remember when we were in like maybe high school or college or whatever it was when Beyonce came out with the documentary when she had Blue? Yes. Remember when Blue was a baby and she came out with the documentary? Were we in high school or college? I feel like that was like maybe early college. Early yeah. college. So early college, she came out and it was actually before this, but she came out and she was saying like, yeah, like my grandmother's prayers are still protecting Mm -hmm. me, right? And so even before then, you know, I would always hear like older people say stuff like that because, you know, we're from the South. So people always talk like that. And so um, when I was in about the 10th or the 11th grade, I knew that one day I would have kids. And so, you know, I didn't know like, 
I ain't gonna lie. Like I know my grandparents probably pray for me. You know what I'm saying? But I don't really be knowing like how hard they, they go in. I'm sure. Like grandma's mom. You know? <laughs> like I know they do. My mom literally. I like I'll wake up in the morning and creep downstairs. She's already <laughs> praying for the whole house. Like before we even get up, girl. Right. <laughs> and so like one day I was like, you know, I don't really know how hard my grandparents are praying for me. I was like, I should probably start praying for my kids. Oh, now. that's good. So like. I've been praying like I know one day I'm gonna have a son and like I just have this whole thing about like black men and just like that whole thing like you know like I I have like this whole thing about Mm -hmm. them and so like when I was 15 I started praying for my son because I knew one day I would have a son like I don't have a son yet Mm -hmm. but like and I still do like so I'm like okay I got him good on the prayers like I love it he's straight he good He, he already prayed for. <laughs> he pray, he's prayed for. Thank you. Um, okay, let's switch I gears a little bit. So uh, you say LA, it was like a full circle moment. And with the mention of the Bad Girls Club, let's like get into that. So what made you go into Bad Girls Club? And like, who were you as a child? And like, to uh, like, did you always think, oh, I'm going to do this TV show? You know, were you that kind of like kid, like celebrity vision type of kid? Or how did that all play out for you? Yes. So I was definitely one of those. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So ever since I was a kid, I always had a really big personality, but I was always a little shy. I'm not going to lie. And it's so crazy when people hear me say that because they're like, no, you've never been shy. I was shy too. People be shocked, but I was shy too. Right. And I think that sometimes being outgoing was a defense mechanism or like, I don't know if other people felt like that, but like, I think because I was shy, I would try to be like outgoing mm. so that I didn't have to be shy or like so that I didn't have to be like not outgoing because I really wanted to be outgoing, but I was just naturally kind of like to myself. If no, that, that makes, makes sense, so much but, sense because I think I used to, it's yeah. like you kind of, it like it was a natural thing, but you kind of were like, okay, let me go out of my way to speak or go out of my way to be like this and do like this because you think that's what you're supposed to do. And it just ended up being like turning into your personality, right. which is which, that's dope. That's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so when I was little, my mom used to say that I had, well, I know I did like, okay. So when I was very young, I had imaginary friends. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. yeah, when I was a little, when I was a little, little kid, I had two imaginary friends. And so my mom used to always say that she knew that I always had like a big imagination and like a big personality because of these damn imaginary mm-hmm. friends. And so it just started like really young. I always wanted to be on TV. I used to come up with different monologues and skits and my mama would let me stand for like the family or like I would be around the family and then they would just give me like a scenario and I would like act it out for them or, you know, like, you know, they just used to always let me just be myself. Like, yeah, they never tried to force a thing on I me. love that like whatever it was that I wanted to be or whoever I wanted to be as a kid like that's just who they let me be like of course like I went through the phase where I was like I want to be a lawyer I want to be a doctor like you know and I stuck with the whole doctor thing like even like going through like high school like I went to college like pre-med same that is so crazy I went to college pre-med and then psychology that's crazy me too. <laughs> Me too. I literally, I was pre-med psychology and then I switched over to communications and then international business and then accounting. Girl, you just, you so many I times. love that though. Cause it's like, I was like, I'm going to get it. I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get it together. I'm but in reality, together. it's so crazy that we do have to pick one thing. That's like, not, that's not really realistic. You know, I get, it's really not. 
it's that's not right. how humans are made. I guess yeah. I guess it's good for, you know, systems and society, right. but naturally that's not who we are. Right. And so like um <clears throat> and so that was pretty much how that went. And then so let's just say like a few weeks ago, I'm standing in the bathroom and I'm at one of my homegirls' house or whatever. And her friend is there. Well, she's like a mutual friend, I guess. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess she's both of our friends. We're all friends. Who is it? Not to be technical about it. Huh? One of my, all right. So me and two of my friends were all together. Oh, got you. Got you. And so, and so one of our friends, she comes in the bathroom and we're just, I forget how it came up, but <clears throat> I think we were just all talking about living in our higher purpose. So like doing what we came to this like world to do. And so she asked me, she was like, Jayla, she was like, if you weren't involved in like modeling and like entertainment and like, you know, everything that you have going on, she was like, do you think that you would still be doing this? Or like, if you could do it all over again, or like, if you weren't doing what you were doing right now, what else is it that you would have wanted to do? And I told her straight up, I was like, nothing. <laughs> I was like, ever since I was a kid and I wasn't being like rude or sarcastic when I you said were like, I that's who I am. Like, it. I know what I want to do and I'm doing it right I, now. Yeah. I was right. I said, ever since I was a kid, I always knew I wanted to be on TV. I knew I always, you get big. Actress I didn't know how much sure you I think you've tried acting, but you should. Yeah. Like that. I, yeah, yeah. I dabbled and dabbled in it, but I know that that's really what I want to act like. And that's really why I never did reality TV again is because I didn't want to get stuck in that realm of being known as a reality TV person. And it's not anything wrong with that. If that's what people want to do, but and I yeah, but like casting people, people like they'll, they'll I know that they'll I'm, yeah like type you as that that person type cash as that person mm-hmm. exactly. And so I was, and that is why for a long time I just stepped away from entertainment for a while is because I really wanted to act and I wanted to give my acting career, you know, the light that it deserved without being overshadowed by me, you know, yeah, doing a bunch of reality smart. shows and stuff like that. And I know that that really mm-hmm. wasn't what I wanted. And so like now, and that's another thing with me living in LA, I can go to more like casting calls and I can do like, yeah, more, like more shorts and, and stuff you know, like go that. To acting, mm-hmm. go acting classes. Yeah. I can really get involved with people that are doing it on a day to day. So, okay. So back to, so yeah. you, you said that you, like you, I know you've been modeling. That's been a thing. And so what, take us back to the moment where you were like, Ooh, bad girls club. I'm going to go on there. What'd that look like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So when I was 24, um, I was working a job and I got fired from my job and I started going back to school full time at TSU. Shout out to CSU. They just kept. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to shout out to Texas Southern, (laughs) man. Shout out to the Tiger Walk. Okay. Um, But so I was going to TSU and they just kept playing this freaking commercial on TV. I mean, on the radio. They kept playing this commercial on the radio about the Bad Girls Club, this Bad Girls Club, that, like the audition. And so everybody just kept saying like, Jayla, you should audition, you should audition. And I was just like, y'all, I'm not like that anymore. Like I've grown as a person, like let me grow up. Just like, I don't want to be like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be on that. And were you ever technically, well, maybe I didn't get get that rap from you because I would, there would be no reason. Like I've never gotten like a, a raw raw type of Bad girl. like yes you know who you are yes you're confident but I guess that to some people that might rub, rub people the wrong way you know what I'm saying but I've never gotten like oh I'm about to right. just beat your ass for the hell of it I've never gotten like 
anything like that. <laughs> Not for the hell of well, I've never just I've never been a I'm a beat your ass for the hell of it. But out of the group, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you the friend I am mm-hmm. in the in the friend group. You always got that one friend okay. that you ready to smack somebody. I'm the I'm the I'm the friend in got the group you. that you ready to smack somebody or like if we if we go somewhere, I'd be like, why is she staring at us? Like what's that was my young my younger self was like that. My younger mm-hmm. self was always like I vividly like I just picture you have so. like this vivid eye roll that you do. <laughs> like it's so funny. It's just it is so funny. And I'm like, it that just came to my head. It's like signature almost. I'm dead. That's so funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. So that was so yeah, so pretty it was much on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kept hearing the commercial. Yep, I kept hearing the commercial and I was like, no, I'm not doing it. And then like I had this epiphany. I was like, Jayla, look at where you are in life. You just like you just got fired from your job. You going to school full time. You living back with your family. Like you really want to be on TV. Like you really want to model. Like you really want to be in entertainment. You've been scared to do it. Like this is your chance. Even if it's not exactly what you want to do. This will mm-hmm. give you some kind of start. That was a conversation that I had to have with myself. And that was why I chose to go ahead and do Bad Girls Club is because I felt like even though it wasn't, you know, how I would have liked to get into the industry ultimately or ideally. And in that moment, yeah, that start. was what was for you and, in that moment. Right. And I didn't have anything. Right. And I didn't have anything to lose, honestly and truly speaking. I had just gotten fired from my job. I'm, I'm starting, you know, I'm going back to You're school. You're 24 years old. I was like, let's start there. Like, like, <laughs> right. Exactly. And let's just start there. And like, for me, I was thinking I was so grown and I was like, you know, living on my own for so many years and I had so many responsibilities and I'm thinking I'm a lot growner than what I really yes. fucking was because 24 is back, grown, but like, now I think me looking back at me at being 30, I should have really been mm-hmm. taking life a little bit easier before that moment. But when it came, like, like, and I'll just make this real short. When the moment came around, I didn't have anything in life to lose. And there were a lot of things ending in my life. And I knew that it was mm-hmm. time for a new beginning. And so, and I knew that this was going to give me an, a new eye opener and allow me to see life through a different lens. And so so what was, was like, if you could walk us it. through the experience, like, what was it like? What, you know, <clears throat> the real experience. Okay, I know it's so, not what we see. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. From start from start to finish. All right. So from from start to finish, um, I auditioned via casting. So I went to a casting call and I filled out a really thick packet, a bunch of questions about myself, my political views, my personality, my family, relationships, that blah, 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 blah. It was like 90 mm-hmm. questions. It was long as shit. And so I filled out this really thick packet or whatever. And then I sat around a table with like me, the casting director. And about seven other girls. And that was my moment to shine. I knew that. I see one thing I know is like, I can know facts. Mm-hmm. I have a big personality and I know. And so like I knew were what smart. to do like to you make knew her the game. like Right. I knew what to do. And so I knew what to say and what to do. To that's make that her acting like right me. there, so honey. They like period. me. <laughs> right. And that's really what reality TV mm. is. It's slick acting. And so, um, so I knew what to say, what to do to make her, you know, like to like me boom they like me next thing you know they called me or they had me stay behind <clears throat> they had me stay behind they gave me this uh, other long packet of um information that i would need to fill out and things that i would need to do you know they they had me to make a casting ca- a casting tape and you know they just told me different things they wanted to see in the casting tape 
And then I went and watched the, all the cast and takes from all the big girls that had made it to Bad Girls Club and that had really went far or like that really did something bigger. Like, like the Natalie. Whoever the biggest the girl was from the... previous seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the Natalie Nuns, the Judys, the Tierras, mm-hmm. Megan's, like, you know, like all the big girls from the, the, the seasons that like were, you know, that mattered or not that mattered. I know what you mean. Like mm-hmm. They're memorable girls. I went back and watched all their cast and tapes and I made my That's cast so and smart. Tapes like theirs. I tried to <laughs> grab different elements from the, their cast and tapes and that is how I made my cast and tapes. And so, um, boom. And so that was that. And then, so I had to fly to LA. So they were flying me back and forth to LA and we were doing like these long conference calls and, you know, they were wanting to talk to, you know, my mom and dad, like on Skype, this is when Skype was still big. So they were doing like Skype calls with like my mom and dad. They wanted to do Skype calls what with they like my ex-boyfriend. Like you know, they just wanted to get a feel mm-hmm. of like my personality. Right. Different things like, you know, so with my parents, what kind of child was I, you know, what type of things, you know, irritated me growing up or, you know, did I share with my siblings Got or you. who am I for real? And then with my ex, they wanted to know like, who is this girl? Like, you know, what, what really pisses her off? What ticks her why did y'all break up? Yeah. Why aren't y'all talking anymore? You know, just different things like that. And then, so with my friends, you know, they wanted to know from my friends, like what, what type of friend is she? What type of sister is she? And so those are the types of questions that they asked the people that were closest to me. And then, so when it got closer to like me knowing that I was going to make it, when I, I knew that I was going to probably make it when they flew me out and I had to do um I literally just wrote this exam. note down. So Girl, they, I literally they, just wrote this down and mentioned earlier. I said reality TV has like seems like it has like a lot of psychology to it. That's crazy. Okay. Continue. Yeah. So they have so they basically have you do um a psychiatric exam with a you know, with a real clinical psychologist or psychiatrist, yeah. you want to whichever it is. And so basically it's a, a it's five about let's just say about 562. I'll never forget the number. I want to say it's 562 yes or no questions. It's a lot of yes and no questions. And they ask you a lot of the same questions. Yeah. Do you believe in the afterlife? Do you, you know, all of those. And you know, it might well, not really be questions, five, it might They ask you the same shit be, in like different ways. I want to say it's yeah. 500. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not going to lie. Oh, I knew what the hell shit. they were doing with the test though. I kind of, and people know what they're doing with that test. So some people answer it truthfully and some people don't. I answered mine semi-truthfully. Some of it I didn't or whatever, because I really (laughs) need them all up in my business for real. And so, you know, according to them on a level of, from a, on a level of one to 10, clinically, I've had about a three. On a level of one to 10. When it comes to my crack. Yeah, crazy. I'm about a three when it comes to crazy. And they say, or like a little bit being like kind of thrown off. They say okay. Judy is about a seven. Judy was but, about a seven. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I can And so, and I swear to God, that's, that's what they told me. I would never mess I liked it up. Her I love too. Judy. I liked her death. so much. She's a cool oh ass God. girl. Yeah, Judy, Judy is a cool person. And I've actually, yeah. I've connected with her, you know, after, you know, after Bad Girls Club, I've talked to her a few times over the phone and, you know, and we send each other like products and we support Yeah, like I was like, she's, there's certain Judy people on the death. show where you can see she like don't they're fucking actually play around, good, so don't fuck like, with her. have good souls and Judy was one of them yeah, for sure. Yeah, good people, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's definitely a good person. So you score like a three on that, okay. Yeah. Right, and then, so after that, um, 
I think I had to do like, they brought me in to do like a green screen interview or whatever, or something like that, just to kind of see how I would be like on camera or whatever. And then I was at home, I was chilling with my friends or whatever, and we were doing something. And then they FaceTimed me or they Skype called me and they basically told me that I had made it. So the process, the audition process lasted Mm -hmm. about 90 days. And it was lengthy. It was a little, you know, nerve wracking because in the beginning, I didn't know if I was going to make it or whatever. Well, you know, let me not lie. Yeah. I always knew that I was going to make it. (laughs) I always, let me just be, and I try to be. No, that's true. I don't understand why people, like, there's a difference between. Let me just be real with you. Being confident and being like, you know, like super egotistical. No, you knew and we're supposed to know. Yes. Yeah. From day one. From day one, the moment I was getting dressed and I I didn't even tell my family where I was going. I had a homegirl that called me on the way there and asked me if I was going to the audition. And I told her as no, <laughs> as I was driving to the audition. I didn't want anybody to know because I didn't mm-hmm. want anybody's energy, you know, on what I was doing. I knew that I was about to be on TV and I didn't need nothing yes. standing in my way. Period. Mm-hmm. And I did. I so you did. go on there. And I know, like, I hear a lot of, like, I know reality TV is not really real at all. And, like, what we see, there's so much more behind it. So what, like, what would you say, like, what, whatever you can share, like, how was that experience with it, yeah. you know? And you were, like, I feel like you and this and the Claremonts, like, y'all uh-huh. were the bit, the bad bitches, like, on that, on that season. Like, that was y'all house, you know? How did that whole thing work? Right. Right. <clears throat> well... A lot of what you see okay. on TV, it is real, but it's very, they put you Got in a controlled you. setting is what it is. Um, so I like to say that they use reality TV or they use people on reality TV um, wow. as lab rats. Um, they're modern day lab rats. They're um, controlled mm. social experiments. Reality TV is just, in my opinion, a way for them to do social experiments and yeah. for it to be publicized. Because that's all they're doing. They're putting the same types of people every season in the same types of scenarios, different environments, same scenarios to see what types of reactions they're getting out Mm -hmm. of these different groups. Mm -hmm. But they're the same groups every single time. And so for me, it's just kind of like, you know, you get comfortable like, okay, so you you're in front of the camera and then you have to get comfortable with that. And then like so on a day to day. You know, you wake up, you have to put your microphone on because you have to be mic'd at all times so that they can always get like your audio and stuff like that. And you get comfortable with the cameras following you around the house or whatever. But once you get into that mode, you're no longer you're no longer being yourself. I mean, you are being yourself, but to a certain degree. Exactly. There's no way to be 100 percent yourself like that would just that's unrealistic. You right. You can be yourself, but I'm sure like. Some people might be themselves, mm-hmm. but a little amplified or, you know, like, yeah, you keeping it real, but now, you know, you're on TV, mm-hmm. so you can keep it extra real, you know? So it was like, so, so basically yeah. they put you guys all for people who haven't seen Bad Girls. Cause I feel like that was, cause I have a lot of young, well, the young people have been tapping in on YouTube. They love to watch like the old clips and stuff. They right. love that. Um, so they put y'all all in the house. Um, you guys like do they feed y'all like how does all that work like okay so the for the okay so let me 
let me give y'all give it to you for a person yes. that's never seen Bad Girls Club. So on Bad Girls Club, there are seven girls in a house. We live in a house together with no with no TV. There's one phone, one house phone. So we don't they have take our own your phone. Phones. We don't have any social media. They take our phones and um, they plan events and things for us to do. They plan different conversations mm. for us to have amongst the group. They plan activities for us to engage in on. But the premise of the show, Bad Girls Club, is like, you know, who's the baddest girl in the house? They bring a lot of girls girls into the house that may have anger issues or, you know, past issues in their life. And we're set up with a life coach once a week so that we can, quote unquote, sit down and talk about these issues. And in the midst of on a weekly basis, there may be a party or we may go to dinner or there may be certain events where alcohol may be consumed or there are different um, levels of entertainment that may be engaged upon. So you may be put in certain situations to where you may argue with another individual or you may be irritated by another individual because at this point you're looking at the same other six people that you don't know all the time. You have one phone that you have to share. You don't have any, you don't have any TV or anything that you can watch. You only have one computer with limited. Yeah, limited that's like isolation in a sense. You like can browse. Like a you don't lot. have any mm-hmm. social media. It's like it's almost like being in jail. Yeah. But they put you in a nice house. You know, like I filmed. I filmed in LA, so we had a nice house with a pool, a backyard. Like I had friends in LA, so I could oh, invite nice. my friends over. They could come over, but then you're, but you're still. So you can't even just really be like, yeah, you can't just face. kick it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't just kick it how you would really want to. So after a while, it eats at you a little mm. bit, and that's when the drama starts. People start getting on your nerves, or it starts to get a little catty, or you know, people start talking too much. You just start getting irritated, or whatever. So that's when the drama starts, and then so let's just say we may go to dinner, and let's just say if if we were filming Bad Girls Club right now, they may say, "Hey, you guys, at dinner tonight, can y'all kind of talk about how you feel about the election?" So that may be, and that may be a conversation mm. that they plan. Or, and that's when know, all the political views start to pop up. Um, people start to go the whoop, right. whoop, and yeah. Right. Okay. Right. right. But then, like, some of the stuff that you don't see on TV. So we did. They, why didn't they put that on TV? So, um, one There's of, something wrong with them. I don't know why. Some some of the stuff they didn't. That's crazy because we actually did charitable events. Like, we went to we went to this nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. It, it's called the Giving Keys. Or it, there's, a, there's a business called the Giving Keys here in L.A., and they give jobs to people that are homeless and they basically use recycled keys or like donated keys. And they type, you know, powerful words on them like hope, trust, love, you know, different affirmations or whatever. And then you may get a card that may that mm-hmm. may have like the meaning of whatever the word is on it. And they sell the necklaces like in different stores around the country or whatever. Or they may give them away to different people and different things like that. But we went and we volunteered there. Um, and we t- and everybody told their story and, you know, kind of gave like a little bit of their background with their family and stuff like that. So we actually did do different team building exercises that were good. And we actually did stuff where we we interacted and we actually had fun together a, a lot, a lot of times. And that stuff didn't hit TV. And, you know, I was a little disheartened by that because there were moments where we interacted as a group yes. and it wasn't catty and we weren't fighting and we all did get along and we did put our pettiness to the side. But they didn't really show that stuff. And I feel like if they would have showed that stuff that 
it would have been a better maybe, show overall you know, too. like you can show both like that's yeah. the reality of like life period you have your good and your bad moments and I would have loved to see that because I love I, I like the show but my mom was like why why am I watching that at the time but like I also like the therapist on there but I don't know if that if the therapist life coach like did they actually help you like what was that like like I always aspire to be like a therapist like that on a reality show but do are they fake Um, I feel like um, the fights and stuff and the arguments aren't necessarily fake because everything is like a buildup. Mm-hmm. I can only speak for Bad Girls Club because mm-hmm. we're locked in a house together. But I like some of that stuff. Maybe no, 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 I said, I said whatever, the therapist, or, you know, like the, the therapist and the, the life coach. That's what I was like. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. Oh, mm-hmm. it's the therapist. I'm sorry. Um, like, did you I get learned? Like, did what? you actually? <laughs> I didn't get shit out of that. No. Because she wanted to talk about, she wanted to talk about stuff that I had already talked about, like stuff that she wanted to talk about stuff that I had already been through and stuff yeah. that I had already worked through. In my and life. it's like I already got this. Like, okay, what's Girl, next? No, can we talk about right? I'm like, I'm like, you want to talk about stuff that I mentioned in my audition tape? Can we talk about the stuff that um happened earlier in the house about <laughs> something and go here and smack this yeah. bitch because she been getting on my yeah. nerves? Let's talk about that. Let's work through that. Let's yeah. work through what's going on right now. You want to work on what what we didn't already been through. What what I didn't exactly. already worked through. No That's crazy. So have you ever seen a therapist like in real life? Yeah. Or do you plan like do you ever think do you no. plan to at all? I love therapy. Um I feel like <clears throat> I would be open to going to therapy, you know, because I do feel like there are some things that have occurred in my life that I haven't fully, you know, come to face, you know, or the, excuse me, I feel like there are some things in my life that I haven't fully come to mm-hmm. terms with or I haven't fully faced. Um, but for the most part, I'm really good yeah. about unpacking my shit. And so, like, I think that a lot of times or a lot of hangups that we have in our adult life is not unpacking our mm-hmm. childhood and adolescent traumas. And I've unpacked a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. honestly, with my parents. Me too. Um, I'm one of those kind of people. I'm a very in-your-face-ass person. <laughs> and I'm a very matter-of-fact-ass bitch. No, and I love so it. When it. I'm just being real. And so when it comes to my parents, when it comes to my parents, I don't make excuses for them. And I don't pacify them. And I hold their asses accountable yeah. for the shit that they did or didn't do in my life. And so for me, I've really taken the time out to get to know my parents really yes. for who they are and not as my parents. Individuals for who that person is and who that person is and not who I want them to be and put all of those different things into perspective and gone from there. And I feel like that has helped me a lot to not necessarily have to go to therapy, yeah. but I would still be open to it just to see like if I actually need it because I'm sure I need it. And not, and I don't even think I need therapy for like what happened in my life childhood right because now. nothing detrimental happened to me. Nothing has, right. I, I think that if I went to therapy, it would be more so to, like you said, to navigate what yeah. has happened to me. And like, I feel like, um, yeah, a lot of people, you know, for the most part, like I've been in therapy for years and of course, like studying psychology and doing what I'm doing now with the podcast and stuff everything really does revolt result back to like your childhood trauma and like what your parents did to you. So what, like how you said unpacking that and like letting go of like that fear of abandonment or whatever the case may be that you might have got 
from your parents unknowingly, like that releases so much of like, you know, all this extra shit like that. So that's good that you realize that and like you work through that and see your parents as people and like know that that wasn't a personal attack on you to like move forward in life, you know, because that that should be messing up friendships, relationships, like all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. exactly so and i feel like it's important for people to just make sure that they're mm-hmm. honest with themselves you know and i feel like that's a big thing be honest with yourself um be honest with yourself about what you've been through and what exactly you what you need mm-hmm. and don't make excuses it, and that's a big thing a lot of people are honest with themselves about what they need yes. and it'll and come out in different ways need. like trying to get what you need will come out in nagging right. or it'll come out in like lashing out. But all it is, is I need this for me to feel safe or for me to feel loved. Like it could, and everyone's needs are so different. So it's about like learning those for your friends, family, partners, all that. So like, okay. So you exactly. mentioned like in your adult life, I forgot what I was watching when I was doing my research. It was an interview with you. And I think Dan, her, mm-hmm. her name is Danielle. I want to say. Danielle from the Bad Girls Club. Okay, yeah, Danny. So yeah, Danny. You guys were talking about the PTSD that like kind of happens post being on like on Bad Girls Club and other shows or whatever. I feel like people get talk about that all the time. Can you like talk about that and like how that came about? Like what it feels like? Like that whole nine. So you guys talked I'm about. Sorry, can you repeat the question for me? P- like the PTSD that you guys experience post Bad Girls Club and. Can you guys just kind of walk us through like what that felt like, you know, where it came from oh, and yeah. how you worked through it? Okay. So, yeah, um, I feel like basically because they play like they play a lot of games with you mentally on the yeah. show. Like I told you, I feel like it's a social experiment because you, you do talk to a lot of like psychiatrists and therapists and, you know, whether they're real or fake or whatever, and you're put into controlled environments and situations and things like that. And so I feel like what they basically are doing is mm-hmm. fucking with you mentally. And when you leave out of there, like it's kind of like coming out of like a bubble or a time warp. It's kind of like when people come out of jail, you know, you have to learn how to readapt or readjust to the real world again, because you've been locked under these fucking bright lights every single morning with a microphone and a camera shoved in your face every single day. And then it's just like, because like I said, they're playing games with you. And they're create they're doing yeah. social experiments. That's what they are doing. They they're literally sitting behind a bunch of cameras all day, every day. And I would ask if that's like legal, but I'm sure y'all signed some paperwork and to so, make it legal for sure. Like all that they did, right? Like so, right. Do, y'all, do, y'all, do y'all get paid for it? Exactly. I heard some. I, the interview was so long, but literally, like yeah, okay. but it ain't nothing, girl. So it's just it it's more so of like an experiment to uh-uh. just. So I guess yeah, normal normal reality TV type stuff, right? Right. Okay. So, um, like, what would you say? Right. So, you post Bad Girls Club, you go home, you're there, it's okay, and you're in like a new world. And also, a lot of people. Well, so the show isn't hasn't been put out yet. When you get home, right? It gets put out later, right? So right. during that time, like walk us right. through like post Bad Girls Club. So you're home, Adjust Max were alive, then the show airs. How does your life change like then? Like, are you dealing with internet trolls? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my God. <clears throat> oh my God. So I experienced everything. So literally it went from 
people in Houston. Sure. Of course, mm-hmm. like I was already on the scene, so people knew who I was just already because I had a little bit of a buzz before Bad Girls Club. But then after Bad Girls Club, it was amplified. Like everywhere that I went, the grocery store, the gas station, the mall, like even me, not even just being in Houston, like anywhere I would go, like out of town, visiting my family. It didn't matter what little town I was in. Everywhere I went, people knew who I was. Like everywhere. And it got to be like overwhelming. People wanted to take pictures. People wanted to stop and talk. People wanted Mm -hmm. to hug me. Like people would start crying when they would see me. Like just the whole nine yards. It was a lot. Every like literally it all happened like overnight. Like literally I would be on campus. Like because even after Bad Girls Club, like. Okay, so dope. After mm-hmm. Bad Girls Club, I went back to school for a little while. I went back to school after Bad Girls Club for a little while. And um, yeah, people would come up to me on campus and want to take pictures and want to talk to me about it and, you know, just different things like that. And, you know, it was just really cool, though, just to see like people being so receptive to me and people knowing who I was. And, you know, that part was cool. But the part that was draining was just because. The way that I my exit from Bad Girls Club was just so controversial, um, and people always wanted to talk about like how they felt like they like you know, messed up the y'all stuff. So they messed up y'all like, stuff, right? How the producers, okay. yeah, yeah, they messed up our stuff. They let the girls, the producers, allowed the other castmates to mess up all oh, of our shit. clothes and everything we owned, makeup, literally everything, makeup, shoes, clothes, coats, socks, drawers, t shirts. Mm-hmm. everything that you can think of besides the clothes on our body and so you know people wanted to come up and talk about that and so that was the most draining mm-hmm. part for me honestly is just having to relive that all the fucking time and you know even on the internet having to relive that people want to talk about it how did you time. cope with it you just kind of so, just um, ignored yeah. it yeah after a while it becomes like normal yeah, after a while you just ignore it and then like yeah, it just becomes normal. So you don't take it personal. And then you got to realize that this is all that people are seeing. So they, unless they're taking the time exactly. out to really get to know you past that, then they think that this is still current and people are basing their views. And mm-hmm. their that was my question. Like, how do you not allow that? the perception of like oh. others during that moment to define you and who you are? Because it can be so easy to let that get in your head and define you. Although y'all were like, it's like, I've seen bad girls who, and I, I, I don't judge nobody or anything like that, but like the way that y'all presented yourselves, the way that you were on there, it was nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? It was like you were, like y'all did that shit, you know? So right. it's kind of like you guys, you don't have any like crazy ass right, exactly. moments or stories that could even be an ounce of embarrassing from my perspective. So, but I mean, how, how do you cope with it as, you know, you're the one who's actually living through it. And it might be some stuff that you wish you didn't do or show. How do you not let it define you? Um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I was my myself. I feel like the way the way that I explain it to people is when you're at work and when you're at home, you are different people. When you're with your friends and when you're with your family, you're yes. not the same person. We all have different facets of our personality and it comes out when that yeah. when it's time for it so you got to learn how to read the room and so when you're with your parents and when you're at work that ain't the same person you're still the same person around the you know across the board but guess what when you're in different settings 
different facets of your personality are allowed to come out. You're not the same person all the time. And when you're at work, it's a time and a place for everything. And I know that that's pretty much how I look at it. I was working. Yes, that is a facet of my personality. It's not who I am 100% all the time, but I was still myself. So I don't regret anything that I said. I don't regret anything that I did. You know, none of that. None of it. And so for me, I feel like that's how I pretty much, you know, cope with being being who I was on TV and everything that I did because I was my authentic self. Sorry, y'all. We definitely, somebody keep kept calling my phone and messing up the recording, but we're going to continue. Okay. So what I was saying, and then I didn't get your response was, which means it messed up, was about like how pro-black you were on your season before like being pro-black was a thing. Like, talk to me more about that and like why, like what, what happened in that scene and like what made you feel the need to, you know, like not to take that moment. Yeah. And like talk about your blackness. Yeah. I I feel Um, like that's who you are, period. But like what was happening in that moment? Yeah. So in that moment. Okay. Well, first of all, for people that haven't seen Bad Girls Club. Mm -hmm. Um. Everybody that knows me knows how pro-black I've always been. I'm I'm one of those women. I love black people. I love black men. I love everything about being black. I embrace being black. Period. Every single day of the week, I am. I'm, her, I'm not. I'm not militant, but I'm proud. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change nothing about it. So, on the show, we're on the bus, and you know. We're talking about dating and the type of men that we date and, you know, different things like that. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes, you know, I would spark certain conversations because I know that I'm a powerful person or I know that I have the power to kind of like control conversations and things like that um, with the way that I speak. Not how loud I speak, but just with what I say, the the things that I say. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted I wanted to have that conversation. So you guys. And so. Mm-hmm. I see you. So we were on the bus and um, I forgot how it came about, but let's just say I was talking to the twins and I was asking them, you know, what kind of guys do they date or, you know, they were asking me whatever. And um, they were, I asked them, do they date outside their race? And then they might've asked me, do I date out? It was something along those lines. I don't Mm -hmm. really remember. Long story short, I took that moment to say, you know, I wouldn't, I w- I only date black men and that the father of my children could only be black Period. because I'm black. <laughs> and the reason, the reason why I said that was because it's so many people that praise interracial dating mm-hmm. and try to make it seem like it's something wrong with dating the person that's exactly like you. And it's not, Yeah, and it doesn't come, it doesn't come down to b- being with a black person you can be with whoever you want to be with if you're asian and you decide that you want to be with an asian person do that because that is your right Mm -hmm. if you want to be with somebody that is exactly like you you have that right even white people you know because i'm not going to take nothing away from white people either because you know that's always like the elephant in the room if you are white and you love everything about being white love it there's nothing wrong with it and there's nothing wrong with a white person saying yeah black people cool but i only want to be with a white person there's nothing wrong with Mm -hmm. it 
There's nothing wrong with that. We have to respect that because we want other people to respect the fact that we only want to be with black people and we love everything about yeah. being black. So basically it was about like you basically were just like talking about like your love for your race. Like that's all that that was in that moment. Like how, how did it get heated? So basically it got heated because there was a white girl on the bus. There was a white girl on the bus and she was saying, well, you know, she was like, um, I'm just trying to make sure you're not being racist by saying that because, you know, what if I only want to be with somebody that's white? And I was like, ain't nothing wrong with you want to be with nobody that's white. If that's your prerogative and that's what you choose, baby, you have every right. But just because I'm saying that I only want to be with a black man, don't make me racist. Exactly. It don't. And so she tried to she tried to twist it as though I was saying, you know, something racist because I brought up race or because race was a factor in the conversation. It was it was uncomfortable. When really it <laughs> like right. When really it wasn't that I was being racist. I was standing up for what it was that I believed in. And she tried to be funny and was trying to twist it into something that it wasn't. And that is why I got mad. Because don't sit up here and try to pr- play me like I'm being racist because I'm saying that I love being black and I want to marry a black man and I want my kids to have a black father because I had a black yeah. father or I have a black I have a black father and I love the interaction that me and my dad have and have always had and I want my kids to experience mm-hmm. that and I feel like you know shit look around us I don't feel like a man of another race can teach my black son how to be a black man in America. You can teach him how to be a law-abiding citizen. You can teach him how to be respectful. You can teach him how to go to work and be a hardworking man and how to be a provider, how to be a self-thinker, how to be a leader. You can teach him everything, but how to be a black man in America. Mm -hmm. I love that you were like pushing that combo and like have the guts to do so. Like, especially back then, because it wasn't really happening as frequent as it's happening now you know especially not on right like reality tv like that so with that being said and like black men and things like that like how's dating for you i remember you tweeted something i was like i love that you said that i can't find it anywhere um it was recent too you were saying something about i guess you dated somebody it didn't work out and he ended up being on like the forbes fortune 500 something like that yes and but you wished him the best and i've been like honestly talking a lot about and just like discovering a lot about like ending things and it's being okay. Like that was your person for that moment and continuing on, continuing on without any like, um, like malintent or any like bad vibes. Right. So what was like, what, what was that story again? Okay. Like, yeah. Tell the people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when I was about 22, yeah, when I was 22, um, I met this guy and I knew him already. Like we went to, we went to the same high school. I knew his sister, like she and I had mutual friends and, you know, just different things like that. So I knew this guy like over the years. Mm -hmm. And when I was about 22, we started dating. And when I met him, um, you know, he was just a regular schmegular, regular guy. <laughs> like, well, not, well, you know, I take that back because nothing about him is just regular schmegular, regular. But, but you know, I, I'm, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, you know, like public shit. He was mm-hmm. right, exactly. And so, you know, with that being said, like he was at the time working on his masters. He worked for like an oil and gas company, but he had like this really innovative idea. And so I was his girlfriend at the time when he was working on like this innovative idea and it was really, really good. And he was, you know, doing really good for himself as far as getting it off, 
off the ground. And, you know, he was still in the preliminary process of it, though. And so one thing leads to another. And, you know, I had dated other guys before him. And around that time, I had dated a guy that was in the NBA. And we broke up. And shortly after is when I started dating the guy that I'm speaking about now. And so um, basically, so, you know, he was he was just and we lived in the same apartment complex. You know, we were both pretty much doing the same type of stuff, trying to, you know, do better for ourselves. Anyway, long story short, he was my boyfriend, the best boyfriend I ever had. He was so chivalrous. He always planned dates. He always opened up my door. He took me to the finest restaurants. He was he a king about wine. He was a king, girl. Mm-hmm. Like everything, like he was just like the perfect man. Like he was the perfect man. And you know, me just being young and you know thinking that I wanted something and you know that was superficial or whatever. So me and this ex that I had that was in the NBA, we ended up breaking up, you know, for a while. And he came back around while I was dating this guy. And girl, I broke up with my king girl broke up with him (laughs) and went back to girl went back to my basketball player girl thinking that we was about to get married and i'm gonna be a basketball basketball wife girl (laughs) yes and just this whole thing and so basically when me and him me and him broke up me and the other dude got back together and we broke me and that other dude we broke up stopped talking like a week later and so, of course, me and the other dude, we were still kind of like talking or whatever, but it was never the same. Like we stayed friends for years and years and years after. And we were really cool, you know, but we never dated again. We were just always friends after that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like one thing I can say is that I appreciated that relationship in hindsight is always twenty twenty because it really taught me a lot. And I say that because, you know, this guy ended up being like on Forbes 30 under 30. Damn. You know, he's a global entrepreneur. He owns businesses across the world. Like he's rich as hell. He's lit. Mm -hmm. But when we were together, he wasn't quite there. And one thing that that taught me now in my life is, you know, God will give you exactly what you need and not what you want. Mm -hmm. And what you need, what you need doesn't always come packaged how you think. And the reason I put that, the reason I put that tweet out is because um well you follow me so you know like now like I'm in a relationship now and the guy I'm dating is my best friend Mm -hmm. and we've been friends since we were 11 years old and so you know I always searched for all of the qualities that he possessed Mm. and uh, I always searched for those qualities but I always looked for him in other men because technically he was my best friend oh I talk about that a lot you know and then I'm gonna get back to that okay and so you know technically he's my best friend and you know we always had a platonic a platonic friendship. We never kissed. We never had sex or anything before we started dating. And so um, I always knew that I loved him. I always knew that I wanted to be with him on the inside. I always knew it. And he always knew it that he wanted to be with me. But I think because we respected our friendship so much, we never went there. Mm-hmm. And we always made an ag- we always made an agreement that, you know, if we got to 30 and neither one of us were married or had kids, then, you know, we would basically see what's mm-hmm. up. So I'm dating my best friend and I absolutely love it. It's the best decision that I feel like I've made as far as relationship goes at this point yeah. in my life because we get we get each other, we understand Y'all know each other, each other in and out already. Each other, we know each other. Yes, and we we, res- we respect each other, we love each other and we see each other. Yeah. And we show up we show up for each other and not only do we see each other but we hear and we mm-hmm. listen. And the reason, and so my boyfriend is the reason why I put that 
Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because everything that I needed or everything that I wanted in a man, my boyfriend possesses. And I didn't look at him like that because he was my best friend. And I'm thinking that I'm going to marry an athlete and all this other yeah. shit. And not, and not knowing that everything that I needed was right here in front of me. And it's always been there with me because he's always shown up for me. He's just never technically been my yeah. man. You know what I'm saying? And so when I took a step back and I was looking at everything that I wanted on my checklist or whatever, I'm like, damn, God, he's been right here all the time. <laughs> and and God was literally like he was right there the whole time. He just wasn't he he wasn't in the package that you thought that he was going to come in. But he'd been there. You just had to wake up and mature and realize to not sleep on your blessing because you slept on it the first time. But you had to go through that situation. So the first was he time. trying to get so it that you? when you got like- it? Was it? I mean, like, like, he, he was. He was out? never. I mean, like he would. He would say little stuff here and there, but he never came on to me. But like, he would always send me flowers. Oh, got you. Okay. He always. That's always. That's you know. He always knew that I love flowers, so he would always send me flowers. Um, he would always do very nice things for me. He was just always there for got me. Got you. Because I've always been like, I don't know why I have this weird thing about like. People, I think because I have PTSD from it, like people having best friends and then dating them because I feel like I had an, an instance to where someone that I was dating, like, like their best friend type situation. And it's like, oh, I thought y'all was best friends or whatever. But there's different stories like the, like the one you're saying where like that makes so much sense. Like I love it. I love when people are honest about it, I think. I think it's when people get to lying about right. it and lying to themselves, lying to others about like what's really going on there. Because that's a beautiful story. <laughs> Right. Because see, and the thing is like, you know, like over the years, like I've, t- I would tell the guys that I'm dating about him because he would call me. And if he called me, I would always answer the phone. Like I would never not answer the phone for him. I didn't care who I was with or what I was doing. If he called me, I was, yeah. Oh, I love that for you. And it didn't matter where, it didn't matter where he was or what he was doing or like, I didn't care. Like if he called me, I could be on a date. <laughs> You'd be like, hold on real quick. Yeah. Actually, actually, one time, I'm not going to lie to you. One time, he did. He called me. (laughs) He called me one time. He called me one time, and I was on a date. And I told them that my brother (laughs) called me. I was like, oh, this is my brother. I got to take this. Oh, my God. I love that. Because now, and it's almost like, where else can you go from there when you're in that type of relationship? Like, that seems like. Um, I don't want to put nothing on that, but you know, it seems like that's like, that's it. That's, that's perfect. Right. And you know, like, I know that we, I know that it's not for, from the outside looking in or like for us. Yeah. Like we, we have like the perfect situation, but of course, like it's not perfect. We still have things that we have to work through and we have to learn about each other because now we're learning each other from a different perspective. And we even talk about that. We talk about that now a lot. Like, you know, you know, we've always called each other best friend, best friend, you know, and we know each other. But when we started dating, we figured out that there were things about each other that, that we didn't know. didn't know. And we've known it. Right. And we've known each other since we were 11. And so, you know, when you start dating a person, you really have to take the time to get and You to never know fully know somebody. That's one so- thing that I've like, right. even married couples say that it's like they learn something new all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's a constant it's a constant journey and it's beautiful and it's a lot of fun. I love that. So with all that being, mm-hmm. and I love it here. <laughs> You're like, I love it here. 
And I love that for you. Like for real, that it sounds like a good time. And I feel like with that, it's like when you're with the, when you're with the right person, like you elevate yourself. And I can hear that in your voice. I can like see it through like your Instagram and stuff like that, like with normal culture and everything like that. So like with that being said, first, like what does Jayla do for self-care? I've seen you say that you, you meditate. I know you're into like the full moon. When I, when I tweeted about cutting my hair, you were like, wait till the full moon. So I'm waiting for that, but I am trying to cut my hair. Like, what's your, you know, self-care, spiritual, holistic healing outlook on life? And what, like, what are the practical things that you do as well? Okay, so um, mm-hmm. give me one second. Okay, so for me, what I do every day is I listen to sound frequencies and I meditate. I have this lengthy meditation playlist with like a hundred and over 30 something, almost probably 150 songs on it, but different things like... Sometimes I'll do a guided meditation or sometimes I'll just listen to like um, different like nature sounds and I'll just allow myself to relax and be calm. But I really hear lately, I like to listen to different sound baths and I like to listen to different um, frequencies for the body. Um, Binaural beats are really good. And so I listen to those a lot. And that's what I usually do on a day-to-day basis. I listen to music too, but I feel like that really keeps me calm. It centers me and it helps me keep my mind focused. Okay. I need to figure out how to make sure people don't call me during interviews, but my bad. Okay. Um, so we were talking about, I, I know we, caught, we talked about, med- about meditation. Then you were going into skincare and that's when it cut off. So what's your skincare routine? Okay, so my skincare routine is pretty simple, I think. Well, actually, it's not. <laughs> um, I don't have bad skin, so I do a lot of moisturizing, and I do a lot of preventative care. Mm-hmm. So with my preventative care, um, every day I put this um, hyaluronic acid on my face, which is another word for vitamin C. Um, I use the vitamin C drops on my face every day, and... Um, it pretty much keeps my skin tone really even, and it and I feel like it help. I feel like it helps my skin to radiate. Mm-hmm. And um, there is something that's a little bit more cost effective. Well, that's really good because you can really get a, a vitamin C drop from not anywhere, but um, I have a a decent one. But another thing that I use with it is like this. Um, cocoa butter uh oil drop dropper for your face mm-hmm. it's like a moisturizer you can get it from target mm-hmm. um but that's cost effective um you can put that on your face every day and i try like a, a lot of different things out um so you naturally have like really good skin though but so it's more so about just making sure yeah. it glows and pops <laughs> Mm-hmm. And yeah. just like preventative stuff. So like when I wash my face, like I do have like different face washes that I use. So like I have like a charcoal face wash that I use that from like Biore. And then I have like a that I use from Cleaning Clear that's like Morning Burst. And, mm-hmm. and oh, I, I love them at different burst. times. That was my yeah, jam that's in like high a, school. Mm-hmm. That and I feel like that's everything. an old school one that never goes out of style. Yeah. Like I've used I that one like that. I haven't used that in a while. 
Yeah. And I just keep it. I keep one on deck. Like, you know, like I don't even use it that often, but every now and then, like it's in the shower, like, let me just use this real mm-hmm. quick. And then like, there's one by Aveno for like sensitive skin or like, you know, that's really, you know, mild on your skin. It comes in like a green bottle. That one is really nice. Just like if you just want like a good, like face wash. Yeah. Like a nice gentle skin, cleanser. Like every, yeah. Use something like that. Yeah. Um, so different things like that. So I'll use something like that when I'm in the shower. And then afterwards, those are like the oils that I'll use on my face on a day-to-day basis. Or like um, there's a company called Pharmacy. They have a good moisturizer and a face wash mm. that I like to use. Nice. And then they also have a mask, a honey mask. That's really good. And they sell all of those at Sephora. You can grab that there. Um, but the, mm-hmm. and all of those products are really gentle on your skin. So I like those. Mm-hmm. You mentioned so yeah, that meditating. Like, like if you could explain to the link, <laughs> like if you were to explain meditating to like, I don't know, hood nigga, or like a hood nigga, but like, let's not even like stereotype that hood niggas don't meditate because they do in their own ways. But like, yeah, like exactly. That's they good. do. Yeah. yeah. Like how would a you person explain, that's never like, done it before. I'm such an advocate for it. I love it. But like, how would you explain that? Okay, so for me, I feel like meditating helps me to answer all of the questions mm, in my brain that so are good. chattering throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And um, like being that's the present. easiest way for me to put it. Um, whenever, and it allows me to be present. And so basically, whenever I'm meditating or whenever I decide to meditate, first of all, I meditate when I have a lot of things on my mind or whenever I want to center myself. And when I say center myself, that basically means when I want to bring my energy into one place and when I want to achieve a certain level of calmness. And Mm -hmm. to me, that is what it means. And everyone has their own. That's my definition. And Mm -hmm. everyone has their own. That's mine. So when I center myself or in that process, I may have a lot of questions on my mind or I may have something that's plaguing me. I may have something really big that I'm working on that I really mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to really think about all the way through. So sometimes like for me, meditating mm-hmm. is a time that I take to problem solve. Um, I feel like a lot of times, like if I'm stressed out or whatever, I may lay out in the middle of my living room floor and turn on some, you know, sound waves or something, or I may find something on YouTube, a, a meditation for stress relief or like whatever. And I may just let it go and just lay in the middle of the floor and just allow my brain to think about and process whatever it was that I didn't get to fully think about mm-hmm. earlier that day or whatever may have been on my mind that that's worrying me. To me, that's what meditation is for because you go through the day with so much on your mind that you never get to deal with. And I feel like if you take 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however much time that you have, if you take that time and you think about all those things and let it out, it'll be easier for you to Facts. deal with not only other and like people, it, but for me personally, like how I would define it, it's my moment to like, kind of like hear God and hear myself, you know, like it gives you that space, like stillness really gives right, you that space right. to truly hear like what's within and like what's coming from like the higher, whatever higher power that you believe in. Cause it's so much chatter around your mind can make up so much shit. That's not even true. And like, just move everything around. So it's that space to like that. And it's a small space. It's so small. If you, and you can miss that, you can miss those answers that you're looking for. We can just, you know, they're right there. If you just kind of like 
stay still. And that's like what meditating does for me. So I feel you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, and lastly, let's talk about normal culture. Like that's what you're up to now. Like you have an office in LA. Congrats on that. I love that. And so what's the next thing for normal culture? Where do you see it going? When can we expect things to drop? And we just whatever you want to share with the people when it comes to that. Okay, so um, when it comes to normal culture, um, I'm working on a new collection right now, and I'm really excited. I've been doing photo shoots the last couple of days. I'm actually in the middle of prepping for a photo shoot right now. My whole staff is like, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm trying to like keep it down a little bit for me to finish this. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're actively working on content to drop. Um, for the new collection it'll be out literally uh-huh. by the end of by the end of the week and is it like what <clears> kind <throat> of clothes are they for someone who's the time, ne- never um, seen it or been on your instagram like what's the vibe what can we expect as far as the material and stuff okay so for um every collection is always going to be different materials so my last collection was like swimwear resort wear vacation wear cute little pieces, their signature items. This collection is more ready to wear, ready to wear items. So the first, the first drop that we're going to have right before Black Friday is going Mm -hmm. to be all of like my crushed velvets um, or like your velour materials for people that aren't really familiar. So a velvet and a velour are very similar. So we have off-white, forest green, and black are the colors that we're showcasing first. And I have a two-piece that has um, a scrunched leg and a scrunched sleeve and it's a crop top that has a dramatic um side I love sleeve. the crunched legs so, so cute. Um, I've been I you'll love see that, that in white mm-hmm. yes and it's so cute and it looks good because you can wear it with boots you can wear it with heels you mm-hmm. can wear it with sneakers you can really love that I heard like down. you say like so, yeah and then um, you were saying something on another no, interview ahead. about how say- you like you see normal culture being bigger than just the clothing brand. So I wanted you to like even just manifest and like talk about that as well as you're, you know, explaining about the line and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so the other piece that I'm dropping from this collection is a turtleneck dress and it has its long sleeves. And instead of the fingers being fully uh, covered yeah. with the glove, the glove stops halfway. So it's like a, a half a mm-hmm. half finger or a mid finger glove dress. And it's a turtleneck. It's so cute. And it stops like mid thigh. It's really cute. And it that one comes in off white. And then it comes in like um, a cheetah print. But the cheetah is um, mm, forest green. Cute. And then the other one is black. Yeah, that makes so sense. So it's solid. If that, make, yeah. if that makes sense. It's like the cheetah print, but. Does that make sense? Yeah, color. they're so mm-hmm. sexy. Those are like my favorite. Yeah. I love that. Right. Yes. So yeah, that's what I'm dropping. And then like, as far as like my vision for normal culture or where I see it going, like, like, like I do always tell people, I do see normal culture being bigger than just a clothing line. And even with it being a clothing line, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I always make clothes like uh, all the time. Like it may be something that I like, you know, just make clothes, you know, here and there or like whatever, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm very into like spirituality and 
I'm a very spiritual person. And so I see normal culture, you know, tapping into candles, like all kind of stuff. Yoga mat, and that really hasn't been tapped into as much as it should be from people like us, you know, and it's so it's like, that would be a good look. That would make a lot of sense. Exactly. Right. Because one thing that I noticed is that people buy a lot of the other things that I sell, like my jade rings, my pendulums, the necklaces that I sell with like the different stones on them, you know, Mm -hmm. anything, the sage, you know, different crystals that I have. So I noticed that people really like that kind of stuff. And a lot of people ask me questions about that kind of stuff. And people are always asking me about my skincare routine. So it's just kind of like right now, I'm just really listening to. And that's how you run a business. People are asking it's, me for. You give them, you and give I want normal want. Like to that's be able how to like, the best businesses yeah. are ran. Yeah. Right. I don't want it to just be a clothing line. Like I feel like yeah. I always do clothes to some capacity or I always offer some type of merchandise that embodies or that represents normal culture mm-hmm. you know and I'll let that be its own entity and then you know I'll break off into another entity of normal culture so I'm just excited I'm to excited see. for I'm you I'm excited to see where it goes because you just never know like you'll start yeah, you're already ended up in another in another totally space and I love yeah, that because it kind of shows the duality that. of like people and black women period because I feel like when people think crystals and spirituality like they think about this like you know, this super peaceful, like, bandu not type of person, but that's not the truth, you know? And I like to eliminate that as well. Like, everyone could have that spiritual right. being and, and still be, like, who they are, you know? It's it's not monolithic. So, yeah. Love that. I'm right. so excited to um, tell everyone where that's to follow true. you. Of course, I'll put that in the description stuff as well. And it was so good talking to you. We could talk forever. <clears throat> like, I've noticed that. Like, we really could go on and on and on. And thanks for taking yes, the time really out to can. talk to me. Like, it means the most. And I'm so excited. I'm going to be right here along the ride. As soon as things drop, I'm going to get whatever I can get. So I'm excited for you. Yes, cool. Yes. Thank you so much, Penny, for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And even just seeing your growth over the years. Thank like, you. I love it. And I'm so proud of you as well. Um, but, yes, yeah, so... You can find me at my personal my personal Instagram page is Jaylamina. That's J E L A M I N A H. My business Instagram is Normal Culture, and that's Normal Culture. And same and follow thing her with, on Twitter, on y'all. Instagram She's and on Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> um, my Instagram, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was I was just about to say my Instagram is very like you know, control content. But if you really want to get to know like the real me and just like the raw, funny side of my personality, definitely follow me on mm-hmm. Twitter. We have a good time over there. And also yes, follow me YouTube on YouTube, videos. the Jayla yes. Show. I've been seeing like your well, fans so. actually yes. harassing you about so, that. And I'm, I'm actually working on a vlog I series. Like yes. <laughs> yes, they've been harassing me for it. So yeah, I'm working on a vlog series that just, that shows Love that everything normal culture and entrepreneurship and life after bad girls club and mm-hmm. running YouTube a business goes during up. the pandemic like, and all of that kind of stuff and moving across bad. the country mm-hmm. during the pandemic. I love that. So stay tuned all right. That. So thank you. All right. I'm going to have to get on a call too as well. So you go have your day. Have so, a good yeah. day. All right. Okay, yes. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. You have a great day as well. All right. Bye.